We are this morning one of our favorite services of the year, uh, Reflect 2012 service. Uh, today is Cayman Thanksgiving, so we were going to have this service last week, but honestly, as part of the vision for our church, we would like to be more and more involved in the community and, and love people in the community and show that, hey, Sunrise matters to this community, so we want to show that even in little ways, like being thankful on Cayman Thanksgiving, so that's what we're going to do this morning. I want to give a few words, though, before we begin uh, our times of Thanksgiving, you'll have an opportunity to share. Just want to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. Um, you know, I was thinking this week about how, you know, when things go poorly in our lives, trusting that Jesus is real and present and living like it, you know, is a daily fight, right? It is a fight when things are difficult to trust that Jesus is with you and live that way, right? You, you often have to remind yourself of what is true. And that's why God's word is called the sword of the spirit. We're supposed to take it up and fight with it because we know that the world around us, uh, the enemy will try to convince us that Jesus is not with us. He doesn't have a plan for us during the difficult times. It's why we seek out friends, brothers and sisters in Christ for encouragement, and then we enlist them in prayer, to pray for us. So it's hard enough when things are difficult. What I find amazing uh, and sometimes depressing about life, (laughs) just to be frank, is that good moments are no less of a fight. The good moments in our lives can also be a fight. Uh, For instance, when someone says something kind or just gives you a warm smile, you know, it's easy to kind of think, yeah, it's about time. (laughs) I got something like that. Or, it's easy to assume they're being false or it's forced. Or for instance, when a a, a victory is accomplished or you accomplish something in your life, it's easy to just, you know, give yourself a subtle pat on the back. Or, on the other extreme, fear the next challenge, right? You accomplish something, but then you know, something else is coming. Even during the good times. Or or maybe someone sees something in you. they see enough in you to ask for your help. And sometimes during those moments, you either they become a reason for you to be proud and hold your head up high. Or on the other end, they become the reason for you to start thinking, man, these people are, this are a burden to me. Will they ever stop asking me for help? And so it's hard. Even when things are good and there is reason to be thankful, it is hard to be. So the Apostle Paul reminds people just like you and me, in the church of Corinth, he reminds them of this. Hey, why are you any different? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Everything is a gift. Everything is a gift. Even the hard moments that God appoints to our lives are a gift. So there is no reason to fear on the one extreme, or to boast on the other. And that's the truth from God's word that Paul gives us. But the Apostle Paul then keeps going to show this church how to move this truth from their head to their heart. You know how he does it? Celebration. Listen to what he says, very next verse, 1 Corinthians 4.8. Already you have all that you want. Already, friends, you have become rich. Even without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign 
so that we might share rule with you. He imagines them being kings together in his royal court. Look at all these exclamation points. Amazing, right? He moves them from, okay, you have received everything as a gift. Everything in life is a gift. So let's celebrate together. You have all that you need. You are like kings. Celebration, friends, is a necessary part of the fight of life. Without it, we might miss the good things that are hidden. And not only that, we might miss the obvious things right in front of our face. Without occasional but big times to come together and celebrate, well, it would be hard to see the little moments for celebration in our everyday life, in the mundane. So it's important this morning that we have a time of celebration. That's what we're going to have. So that as you move on in your daily life, as you struggle in the fight of life, you might see the smaller reasons for celebration during the course of a normal day. We need to be doing that as a church. And so that's why we do this this time every year. Little evidences of God's love that he's worked into your life in 2012. Celebrate those. That's God's grace. Certainly apart from me or any other human help, friends, you have everything you want. You are rich. You are royalty. So let's remind each other of that this morning. Pray with me if you would. Lord, we thank you that you have given us so much. You have blessed us with so much. And and it's so hard, though, Lord, I confess in my life to often see. Even when it's right before my my face, Father, something good, something warm that maybe I look at cynically. Or, Lord, I I look at it and I think, well, yeah, I kind of deserve that. It's easy, Lord, to be deceived into thinking that. To think that the work of our own hands is to our own credit. When, Lord, you give us the wisdom and the strength and the skill even to work hard and to make things and to help people. So we want to give glory to you this morning, Lord. Help us not be deceived into thinking that good things in our life somehow come from us or we just sort of deserve it. Or the universe just sort of works that way. No, 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 no. Your word says every good and perfect gift comes from you. So I pray this morning, Lord, whether it's just strengthening us to love our spouse better or the fact that you have radically transformed our marriage this year, help us give thanks. In the workplace, if we shared our faith for the first time, Father, help us give thanks. If we prayed for the first time this year, help us give thanks. Lord, if you gave us the courage and the strength and the perseverance to overcome an idol in our life this year, something that was preventing us from true joy in you, help us give thanks for that, Lord. Father, if we even trusted, really trusted our life to you this year, please give people the courage to share that this morning. Give thanks for that as well. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, everyone. I'm so nervous. I think I'll just go first. (laughs) It's just easier. (laughs) Get it out of the way. Um, My testimony is not really about something that happened this year. Uh, I was praying a little bit about what I wanted to share. And um, from my experience, God just put something on your heart and what you should share with people. And um, my story is actually about a couple of years ago. My husband and I have been married about four years now. And about five years ago, we got engaged. And just after we got engaged, we went on a mission trip to Malawi, I think it was, somewhere in Africa. And 
as we all know, being young, having hormones, you know, it's quite difficult. You know what God's word says about being pure and doing the right thing, but it's really difficult to actually go through with it. And once we got engaged, we realized we really were struggling quite a lot in that area. Um, but we were very ashamed of it as well. Being the nature of sin, it puts you in shame and you don't want to talk about it. So we went on this mission trip in sin, um, not really upholding God's word and stumbling quite a lot on the way through our engagement. And um, we got sick on the mission trip, got really sick, both of us. And um, everyone was like praying for us, but it wasn't really working and we weren't really getting any better. And in the back of my mind, I guess I knew that it was probably like the door we'd opened through our last full relationship. And um, I just was just like really at a point where I was like, I'm really sick and I don't feel well. And Neil was really sick and he didn't feel well. And I just started to pray and I was like, Lord, just show me what to do. And I opened up my Bible and I came to this verse in James 5 and it says, the prayer of faith. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working and that was like wow <laughs> if God isn't real I don't know that's just like two coincidence for me so we called our mission group together and we just said guys look we're living in sin we're in lust for, for each other and we did things that we weren't supposed to do and we just repent in front of all of you for it and can you just pray for us and they prayed for us and it was like healed like, we weren't sick anymore. It was like an immediate healing. <laughs> we weren't sick. It was just really amazing. And just when we were singing this song this morning, uh, we were singing, like, you know, how he loves us, how God loves us, and how jealous his love is for us. And, you know, I've thought about this testimony quite a couple of times, and sometimes, you know, the devil comes and he brings this lie saying, like, you know, God wants to embarrass you. He wanted you to share with these people that you were committing a sin to embarrass you. And that's not the truth. That's such a lie because God's love for us is jealous. He's jealous. And what the devil was coming to do is he was coming to steal and to destroy what Neil and I were going to have in our marriage, you know, which was supposed to be a blessed and wonderful thing. And God is jealous of that. And he's jealous of us and our relationship with him. And he, went, he wanted to set us free. And my testimony today is that God sets us free, not just emotionally and physically through physical healing but he sets us free spiritually and he set me and Neil free from this lust that was like hanging over us um, and we could walk into a pure marriage you know and it was really awesome and I just want to testify that God's really faithful and if you call out to him he will answer your prayers. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Joanna. I remember sitting here in the Thanksgiving service last year and listening to all those wonderful testimonies of God's faithfulness. I knew then that I was at the beginning of what was going to be a very difficult and painful period in my life as my husband came to the very difficult decision that we should separate. 
Those here today whose lives have also been affected by an affair, separation or divorce will understand that complete sense of devastation and heartbreak that I have been through. However, I want to give thanks today to God for his amazing faithfulness. To be honest, there is just so much that I could say about what I have learned this past year. But right from the very beginning of this difficult period, Jeremiah 29.11 has been the verse that has kept me going. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Reading that verse when I was at my lowest point made me realize that although my situation looked horrible, God was going to use this to do something even better in my life. And knowing that made me realize that no matter what was happening, I would survive and more than just survive, God had a plan for my life, which is better than the life I had before, and is one that is full of hope. For several years leading up to the end of our marriage, I knew that I was not putting God first in my life, but instead my husband and children were my main focus. A few months before the subject of us separating was first mentioned, I remember thinking one Sunday morning how little time I really devoted to God, and thinking that you wouldn't really know that I was a Christian, as in many ways, my day-to-day -day life, I was very similar to many of my non-Christian friends. Sadly, it took the breakdown of my marriage to remind me that I must put God first in my life, as he would always be there for me, and that his love never fails. Throughout this past year, I have learned so much about God's love and what it means to love one another as I have loved you. Corinthians 13, 4-7 is an amazing passage on love and is commonly read at weddings as a result. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. Wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It is very easy to hear those words at a wedding when all is going well, but when you are on the brink of divorce, it is understandably a little harder to say them and genuinely apply them. These verses have been a real challenge to me, but if I am to obey Christ's command that we should love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us, then that is what I'm called to do. I need to reflect God's love for us by still showing love to my husband. This is not always easy to do by any means, but it is incredible how when you pray for those who have hurt you, God will transform your attitude towards them. And God has most certainly helped me to try to carry on my loving, to try to carry on loving my husband despite all that has gone on this year. And although I don't always get it right, I know that without God, I would very easily feel hatred and bitterness. And I know that God is the reason why my husband and I are still able to get on the majority of the, despite, the, majority of the time despite everything. God has definitely given me a lot more patience than I normally have. And he has taught me to think before I speak or email so that my words will encourage, not destroy. I have learned so much about forgiveness too. Jesus taught regularly about the importance of forgiving. I have had to ask for forgiveness for all the things that I have done wrong, and I know that I must forgive those who have hurt me as Christ has forgiven me. Colossians 3.13 says, Be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. 
Most of all, let love guide your life, for then the whole church will stay together in perfect harmony. When I don't feel like forgiving and start to feel upset by my circumstances, then I have learned to hand the situation over to God and ask him to help me forgive. And I know that it is only because of God's help that I can keep forgiving those who have hurt me and pray for their salvation. This is a definite work in progress as new situations arise on a regular basis that really hurt. But every time I bring these situations to God in prayer, it is amazing the peace I find. God has provided me with so much this year. I am surrounded by so many wonderful Christian friends. I have made new friends with people whom I can pray regularly with. For the first time, I have joined a church community group, and this has been such a source of encouragement. I have been amazed by how much happiness I have on Wednesday nights, being with people who talk passionately about their faith in God and what he has done in their lives, and to be with people who initially may not know you but are still happy to pray for you. Thank you to all those in the two groups that I have been a part of who have prayed for me in my present circumstances. God has directed me to participate in Bible studies this year that have been such a source of encouragement. God clearly meant for me to do Beth Moore's Bible study on James earlier on this year. How can I not have been encouraged when James begins with, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God taught me so much through the study at the exact time that I needed to hear it, and I do know that I have changed for the better this year. I have learned the importance of committing everything to prayer and spending regular time reading the Bible. I have found such a sense of peace in my quiet times with God, and it is wonderful how often the passage that day relates exactly to the situation that I'm having to cope with on that particular day. The main area where I still need to work on trusting God is in relation to our three wonderful daughters. I have been able to draw strength and have experienced so much real joy from my renewed relationship with God. However, my girls do not have that relationship yet, and it is painful to see the effects of our separation on their lives. However, I do know that God is with them every step of the way, and I know he hears my prayers for their protection. And I pray that they will learn that they have a perfect heavenly father who will never let them down. He has already provided two wonderful women in the church whom the older girls can spend time with. And I've had far more opportunities to talk to the girls about God's love and faithfulness as a result of the events of the past year. It is hard at times, but I know that God will look after these precious girls. I thank God that because my husband and I are still able to get on, we can still have days like yesterday where we all spend the afternoon and evening together very happily and relaxed as it was our youngest fifth birthday. Although I would never have wanted to go through this very sad experience, I can see how my life has improved for the better as I have realized that I need to put God first in my life. I do know that there will be further difficulties ahead, but I also know that God uses all things for his good. Romans 8:28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have, been accord who have been called according to his purpose. I also know that I must not worry, but trust in God. When I start stressing, I know that I am focusing on my external circumstances rather than focusing on God and trusting him. Philippians 4, 6-7 makes this very clear. 
Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. I know that it is only because of God that I have been able to get through this past year without becoming bitter. And because I trust that God is with me, I do know that I can feel calm about the future. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I do believe that. I have struggled with why my prayers for reconciliation have not been answered. And although I do not know what will happen in the future, I am trusting in God to guide me. I do know that better times await me, and I know that God is working out his perfect plan for my life, and that his plan is full of hope. I know that God is still working in my life, so that when my patience is finally in full bloom, then I'll be ready for anything, strong in character, full and complete. Thank you, Lord, for all you have done this year. And sorry, it wasn't brief. <laughs> Mine feels a bit lame after that. Um, God is good, hey? Um, so my wife and I came out to Cayman just over a year ago, probably a year and two, three weeks ago. Um, and one of the things we really prayed for when coming out here was that we'd find a church full of uh, like-minded people who are seeking after God um, and find a church where God was really moving and doing things. And we went for a few churches on the island, and I'm not saying what they're doing is wrong. We just don't like wearing a tie to church. And um, Literally a year ago today, this service, we turned up at Sunrise Community Church and it was a bit of a funny service. There wasn't a sermon, and lots of people got up and they shared. Um, I think Brad shared. I, I remember James sharing. Well, I saw James. Yeah, James shared, I think, about God healing your eye, I think. And we just walked away going, wow, here's a church full of people that pray, that seek God, that support each other in prayer, and that seek answers to prayer. And God answers those prayers, and God moves in people's lives. And I just thank God that we found Sunrise Community Church and I thank God for what, what we are as a church. And we just encourage you, keep on praying. Keep on praying until you see answers to prayer. Keep on supporting each other in prayer. Keep on sharing with each other and looking for prayer for those around you. And come up this morning and, and, and share. Who knows, there may be people that a year from today say, hey, my first Sunday was at Sunrise Community Church this service last year. Can anyone hear me? After Neil, um, I'm James, the one whose eye got healed last year. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, my, my testimony this year is just mainly two things. One, uh, it began at the end of last year when Ryan was preaching about us being bold in prayer and not praying a safe prayer, not wanting to disappoint. Set, God, set yourself up for God to disappoint you. So I said, all right, Lord, what are we going to do about that? So I started to believe him for 10 new insurance companies for the business and I remember thinking, that's very ambitious and bold, but hey, why not? Go for it, hopefully, you know. And as at um, today, we are, we've lost one. And we're probably losing another one at the end of the, in the new year. And we've not got any new ones yet. However, it doesn't change my belief in him and who he is. And when God doesn't answer a prayer in a direct way, it doesn't mean he hasn't answered at all. It means he's got something greater and a different timing. So it's just my attitude towards him is to keep believing and thanking him that he is bigger than all of us 
and that even though there may not be 10 captures by the end of the year, it doesn't mean he's not working on it. Um, the second aspect was round about July time when I preached. I preached when Ryan was away. I talked about a great deal about my old church in, in Hull 20 years ago, and I talked about koinonia, fellowship. And I think I used one of the Psalms, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Lord comes. And I remember thinking, we're not here. As a ch- church, we're not there. Right? And, 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 that, and it's like the Lord said, just look for the life. Look for the life. And what he did was he started adding new people. Richard was a big part of the new change. And when they came, it was like I'd known him for all my life. And it was, we, just, we, we, we talked right away about things of God, naturally, supernaturally. And it's contagious. It really is. And community group, where I've attended the first time in a while. And we've got that coin in the community group and chosen my community group as well. And I think that God's answering prayer. He's changing people's views. We're a family. People want to see us as a family, loving each other and caring for each other. Because that's what brings people in through the door. And I think God's really uh, going to do a mighty thing. We just have to be mindful of that and want it across community groups. I think the half night of prayer. That was the first time I really, really felt I was working with people in prayer, partnerships. He doesn't want us to be holy huddles and cuddly and nice and sort of not doing anything except for looking inwards. He wants us to be working together, reaching him out to the nation. And I think we're on the start of something superb. So I uh, just want to pray that we'll see some of that in 2013. Hey guys, I'm Elisa. I'm super nervous to be up here. I'm not as outgoing as Brad, so forgive me. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to talk a little bit about this year and how um, one of the big lessons that I've been working with is how Lord is our protector and how thankful I am that he is. And um, he's so much bigger than we are. Um, it's been a very interesting year. This time last year, Brad talked about how we were mugged in Cuba and all those good things that came from that. <laughs> Quite an excitement. But um, since then, we've had some other adventures. And um, each time, immediately, I just know, knew that God was in control, that there was a purpose for it, that, um, you know, that he was taking care of everything. Um, the night before school started, we were hit head-on by a drunk driver, totaled our car, um, and we had to go to the ER, and Brad walked away with five stitches, and I was fine. And it was just incredible that it was kind of a really bad crash, but we were 100% fine, and so was the other driver. Um, And so we just, as soon as I saw those headlights, I just said, Lord, protect us. And that was the last thought that I had, and, and he did. You know, immediately, he just reached out and took care of us. Um, in the days after, friends provided cars for us, and, you know, we just, there was never an issue of money, of transportation. Excuse me, I told you I was nervous. Um, <laughs> um, a little tougher of a situation was um, in May, we went through a miscarriage, and we had been trying for about a year and a half, so when it finally happened, we were so excited. Um, And immediately again, I just felt like God is using this. There's a reason that this is happening. And it's not the best situation, and it's awful to go through. 
but our community group started praying right away and I could feel it. I just felt their strength. And um, I'm sorry. And he's using it for our family, our friends. I'm so thankful that he's using me for whatever purpose he has for them. And it's a tough situation, but somebody said, you know, he's like, he's using me for something that I have no idea about, but it's for his betterment. And that's an incredible feeling. So I'm really thankful for him and for all of you. probably doesn't help that I'm emotional already. <laughs> well, this little man was also, he was born in May this year. And um, we were thankful enough that my parents were here for three months visiting us to help us with the boys and everything. And um, he was born on the 4th of May by cesarean section. And we went home on the Sunday. Everything went well. And then on the Monday... JP and I was really sick. Extreme body ache. Apparently it was something going around on the island. I couldn't, I was physically so, the cramps and everything was just so bad that um, I had difficulty breastfeeding him. Um, and after a while, yes, yes. <laughs> after a while, two days or so, we felt much better. Well, he didn't feel so well. And um, he was crying for the whole of that week. So he was born on Friday. The next week, Thursday, um, I rang the pediatrician. And I said to her, this boy, there's something wrong with this child. He is really, he's just crying, he's moany, he's hot. Um, and I don't know, quite know what's going on. My first son wasn't like this at all. Um, so she said, I'll meet you at the hospital in half an hour, back a bag. You're probably going to stay. Um, him just being five days old, uh, we went to the pediatric ward, straight onto the ward, and um, she told us that she's expecting, she's, she thinks he's got meningitis, five days old. Um, and she basically took him there, and she said, I don't let parents watch, you need to go. And she did a lumbar puncture on him, they basically fold him double in a little ball and uh, tap spinal fluid. Um, they did a urinary catheter, yes, you're fine now, hey. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and we just drove away there and I said to him, I can't believe this is happening. This is just such a nightmare. And um, we were lucky enough to have Karen and Simon just live around the corner. So we went and they prayed for us and um, they, did, they sent the spinal fluid away and it was bacterial meningitis, which is the bad one. Um, we had to stay in the hospital for 12 days for antibiotic therapy um, because he was so tiny, the veins were just collapsing, so they had an um, IV in his arm first, and I couldn't breastfeed him with his arm going round, and then he had it in his head, which just absolutely was just awful watching them do it. And then he had one in his foot, and, um, you know, we are just so thankful for all the support, my parents, our good friends, you know, for the community we had, for everybody praying, for everybody coming to visit, um, we were discharged, and then we had a, a hearing test for him um, at his six week when he was six weeks old, and it was absolutely clear. Noth nothing um, 
of the infection remained and because they do a hearing test because meningitis can affect the baby's hearing. And he's absolutely fine. And we just praise the Lord for all the community we had and for Jesus that pulled us through this very difficult situation this year. Good morning, my name is Veronica, and uh, please forgive, my English is not the best. It's my second language, and I will appreciate that you uh, understand. Well, um, I am very grateful with the Lord, and I want to share this amazing uh, experience of this year, because one of my dearest friends died at the beginning of the year, and that really touched my heart and showed me how life can be so fragile and my always my concern has always been my children, so I pray for them, I teach them the word of God, I do everything that is possible to pass to them my faith. But when my friend died at the beginning of the year, it was so clear for me that life is so fragile. We are here today, and we don't know what happened in the next hour. And I start praying and saying to the Lord, Lord, what happens? What would happen if I die today? What will happen to my children? Because my husband doesn't know you the way I know you, and my parents are far away, and I'm just starting to attend a church. And what is gonna to happen to my children, Lord? And well, I started learning about trusting the Lord when I came here to one of the uh, Sunday services, and the Lord spoke to me about trusting. It's so easy to have faith, but it's so difficult to trust the Lord. And I understood there is a difference between faith and trust. And trusting the Lord means that even if I am not here, I need to trust the Lord that he will teach my children his word and that I can trust him, that he will take care of my boys. But anyway, I continue praying with them. I, um, the Lord spoke to me about the book of Esther where the king had a book, and it, the Bible is called the book of memories. The book of them, yes. I'm thinking in Spanish, so please forgive my translation. And my son had a problem with a child in the school, and I said to him, listen, we are going to start this book of memories today, and we are going to write the date, and you will see how the Lord responds to our prayers, and you will see that the Lord is real. You will see that the Lord is truth. He, um, he, will, um, he will do what he says that he will do. He will do. He will do. Well, anyway. Uh, the Lord responded our prayers, and both of my children were like, wow, God is real, God is real. And I say, yes, God is real, and there's more of God in life. And that's why I want you to know about the God every day. We pray, and every day we read the Bible and try to memorize Bible verses, because I have seen in my life how effective is the Word of God. So anyway, one of these days that I have a, um, a bad day, I say to the Lord, how is this possible that I pray with them, I teach them the word of God, anything can happen to me, and I still don't see their heart saying, Mom, I want to follow the Lord. During that period of time, um, Henry was very quiet, and he said to me one day, out of the blue, while I was preparing dinner, he says, Mom, I want to get baptized. And I said, wow. Oh, that's great, Henry. We need to talk about this. And I thought to myself, well, maybe it's just uh, something that he's saying right now, but I have to wait to make sure that he's uh, honest and why he wants to get baptized. Two weeks after, he came to me while I was uh, cooking dinner as well, and he said, 
Mom, I asked you two weeks ago that I wanted to be baptized and you haven't done anything about it. And I said, you know, you are right. I will write or I will talk to Pastor Ryan this week and I promise you. And that's what we did and we started with the process and really was a very, very sweet and amazing process to me because I noticed the Lord has work in his heart. He wanted to follow the Lord, and he said, even one day he said, Mom, you know what? I know what I want to do in life. Cartoonist is okay. Making movies is okay, but maybe I want to be a preacher. And you know what? I encourage my children to follow the Lord. What an honor it would be that my children serve the Lord with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their, their will. And I said, that would be wonderful. You will make great things for the Lord. So last Sunday, my son Henry was baptized. And the day was gray. I thought it was going to be raining, a raining day. And to share with you something personal, the day that I got baptized, because I, I was raised in a Catholic family, my father was so upset with me that he said to me, you today, you renounce to the most basic things that we have given you. So the baptism was for me a memory of a sad day. And that morning when the day was gray, I say to the Lord, Lord, I trust in you today to change what was for me. I want for my children to be beautiful. So even today is great, but I trust in you that you will make, even in the weather, something special for them. And they will remember all their lives and will be a testimony for their children, for their children, for my little one, for my husband, for our friends that don't know you. So anyway, with that faith, with that trust, we came to church, we uh, went to the, to the beach, and the day was gray. And I remember entering the beach and I told my husband, look, it's very dark over there, but look over here, there is hope. <laughs> it was just like this, two sides, so evident. And the moment we started talking, the day was open. And for me, it was a sign for me, personal, that the Lord is faithful, even in the most small details of our lives. So I want to publicly thank to him and encourage you to never give up and pray every day and trust in the Lord because he has great plans for our future. Thank you. Um, good morning. My name is Isadora. Most of you call me Izzy. Um, I've been attending Sunrise Community from about, I think, July last year. And um, there's a couple of testimonies I want to give, a couple of things I want to say that has happened that as a community, firstly, we can all really be thankful together for our outreach at Georgetown Primary School. Um, on Friday, they had a concert at the Mary Miller Hall, and it was all the primary schools. Uh, for some reason, there was a little bit of uh, miscommunication. Ge Georgetown kids didn't know that they had to get there on Friday. They thought they had to get on Saturday. So I left work early to, to go and uh, participate in that, and um, five kids pitched up out of the probably 10 or 11 that I, I normally teach. And there was like, okay, I'm exaggerating, but there was about 1,000 kids from all the other schools. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my goodness, there's only five kids from Georgetown Primary and about 100 from Bodentown and all the other schools. But um, the kids got up, and they were extremely nervous because we had rehearsed something together, um, and two of the kids hadn't actually come, so we had this six-part thing, and only four people came to, to perform. But they performed so well, and they were so outstanding, and, you know, it was just a testimony of the love that we, as a community, have 
put into their lives. Because most of these kids, I'm sure those of you who volunteer there, know that they don't, they don't really listen the first time you tell them something. Uh, they don't even really listen the second or third time. But they, when they got off stage and I said, I'm sorry, it's going to make me a bit tearful, but I said to them, guys, I am so proud of you. And they were so shocked because they obviously don't hear that that often. And they just all came and gave me a hug and they thank you, miss, thank you, miss. But, I mean, they, they, that's something that, as a community, I think we need to realize that our Georgetown outreach program is really quite key um, to showing the love of Christ to these kids. And for a lot of them, I don't know. Um, like, out of the five kids that came, only two of them had parents with them. So their parents didn't even come to watch them perform. And I kind of wished I had told everyone about it because maybe some of you, if you were free on Friday night, would have come out and, you know, cheered them on. If you're not a volunteer at Georgetown Primary, um, I want to encourage you to um, give it a go and, you know, see if you can have some time to even affect one child's life in a really positive way. So I thank um, Sunrise Community for getting involved in that program. My name is still Brad, <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to take this thing right off here because, okay, there we go. Uh, those of you that don't know me, I am a math and science teacher, so hold on to your socks because you're about to get a science lesson. I'm going to take you back to ancient Greece, all right? Around the time of Aristotle, there was a, a gentleman named Democritus, and Democritus said, you know, if I take a rock and I break it in half, and then I break those pieces in half and continue to break it and break it. Eventually, I'll get to something that which cannot be divided. Um, the term for that in Greek is atomos. So he was the first guy to come up with the idea of an atom. Um, fast forward 2,000 years, maybe a little more, and we get the first real evidence of an atom um, by, I believe it was J.J. Thompson. And then they found the electron. And they said, oh, well, you know, maybe the electron's embedded in this big atom. And then... Uh, Ernest Rutherford shot alpha particles at gold foil, and they said, no, the atom's about 99.9% .9 empty space with most of its matter uh, concentrated in the center. And then, you know, going forward again, they didn't know where the electrons were, and then they said maybe they'd circle around. Uh, Niels Bohr said maybe they're in orbit, and then later they found quantum mechanics, and they said, no, they're not really in orbit, they're just all over the place, and we can't really predict where they are. Um, and then they said, oh, well, maybe protons and neutrons aren't the smallest particles out there either. And they later found quarks, and now we're finding anti-quarks and anti-matter and, and all these new and exciting things. Um, and as a science teacher, I just, over the last year, I've kind of been reflecting on the things that we're learning and the things still to learn. And I just uh, thank God for creating a universe that is so structured and obeys laws for the most part that we can make observations about it and learn things about it but at the same time it's so complex and so diverse that we'll never stop being able to learn about it so thanks i'm katie this pertains mostly to actually becoming a Christian, okay? So I'm not trying to take it out of context. But it does not, therefore, depend on man's effort or desire, but God's mercy. Romans 9, 16. 
And I feel like this filters into other parts of our life as we do become Christians. It doesn't depend on what I've done or what someone else has done for me. And uh, in a really quick, quick way, I'll say, when I was a little girl around age five, I started having chronic pain all the time. And... um, We went to every kind of doctor. Okay. And mostly Christians in my life would say, even as a little kid, they, they were ill-informed of what the Bible says, but they said that I didn't have enough faith. So God wouldn't heal me. And um, over a long period of time, I know I don't look very old, but I'm 32 almost, and um, over a long period of time, um, and a lot of people's prayers um, and just love towards me, I just started to realize that God is still good even if I feel bad all the time. And then we had, um, then we had Gage, and he wasn't growing, and um, a doctor gave me a different diet, and God healed me through not having certain foods. And I know I've talked to y'all about some of that before, and it's a really big deal in our life, and Ryan even jokes with me about, like, don't give the, like, what the, like don't give a testimony of gluten-free. Like, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I was, honestly, I was planning on saying something else this morning, but um, I ran six and a half miles this morning in the marathon, and it is an absolute miracle. Because one, I'm not a very good runner, but there's no possible way that I could have ever, ever done that. And six years ago, God healed me. So, I am Emily McGee. We're new to the church. Um, been on island for two and a half years, and finally found you guys. <laughs> Um, my testimony that I'm going to share is because I was, um, one of those kids that you wanted to pray for. Um, I, I grew up in a a Christian home, um, Christian. Um, my stepdad was very abusive. Um, I had, you know, divorced parents, but Um, My dad's parents were true Christians. Um, They lived the life. They were amazing, blessing to me. Um, But as I became a a teenager, I questioned if God was real because I was going through such ridiculous um, situations at home. And I went to a Christian school, and the Christian school was, you know, Emily is that troubled kid, and I didn't feel love from them. I just felt like, you know, don't let your kids hang out with this little girl. And um, and so I really questioned um, God's realness. And so it was actually one night after I got home with my friends, and um my mom didn't stay on top of me as a teenager, and I was um, doing things I shouldn't have been doing. Um, but my grandparents 
were very fervent. Now, as I'm older, I know that they were just praying for me. Um, and their heart was committing me to them, to him. And um, I went to bed. And I had, my entire life I had um, dealt with fear. And Satan was always trying to get me with fear. And I had asked to be a Christian when I was five years old. So I had God in my life, even though at this time as a teenager, I was pushing him out and not, not having faith. And so I go to bed and I'm having horrible nightmares. I can't shut my eyes. I'm, you know, I'm literally frozen in fear. And I um, just am praying. I'm like, God, if you're real, like now's the time to show me because I can't live like this anymore in this family. And I need to know you're real. And so it was audible. He spoke to me. He said, you need to read Proverbs 9-11 and go to sleep now. And I went to sleep. I slept all night. And I woke up in the morning. And I remembered to read the verse. And I had never read the verse before or been exposed to the verse. And Proverbs 9-11 says, For by me your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. And at that time of fear and, um, and desperate need of him to be real, it, my life was turned around. I went to school on Monday. This was a Sunday morning. I went to school on Monday, and all the kids were like, Why are you smiling? Like, what happened to you? And... I was able to share, you know, how God's reality. And I, I mean, he changed my life from then on. He's been real. And so it's very important to me now that I have three children. I pray for them, like really pray for them. Like what he was saying is like, you know, sometimes you'll hear your friends be like going through a hard time. And you're like, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. But, you know, it's not a reality like you really have to pray because that's really the best thing it changed my entire life. If they weren't praying for me, I don't know where I would be. So. Um, this morning, I just wanted to share a couple words of encouragement. I've been reading a lot of Colossians as of lately and Colossians deals with the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice for us and, and how important that is. And really just reading through this has been a chance to reflect on how grateful I am for Christ and for what he's done um, for all who have faith in him. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And just reading through this uh, book has been, you know, over and over and over again, just reconfirming how sufficient he is. And, and the verses um, that I'd like to share say, At one time you were separated from God. You were his enemies in your minds because the evil you did was against him. But now he has made you friends again. And that just really struck me as like to think about what that means to be a friend of God, like the God most high would, would allow you to be his friends because of Christ's sacrifice for you. And so for me, it's really just again and again and again, Paul reiterates that, you know, look at what Christ has done for you. Um, look at how much he's done for you. And it just really, really, to me, brings me back to this place of 
humility and thankfulness, remembering what Christ has done for me. But not only that is is to be called a friend of God. I'm I'm incredibly thankful uh, for that, for the ability to be called a friend of God. So. Hi there, I'm Andy. Um, just, I wasn't planning on coming up today, but some good prompting, so I'll just have a quick share. Um, basically, like, three things. Um, first thing, one of my passions is traveling, so I love traveling. So a few years ago, like, I was in Africa, and pretty much no faith, like, just didn't know anything about it, and um, I contracted malaria, and it was obviously a very scary experience, um, and I was recovering, so it was great. Um, not praying or anything. And then um, I recovered, continued my trip. And soon after that, um, I, was in, I, I, I came to a place in Mozambique, actually. And it was a very, very bad hotel, very kind of very bad place. Um, I think it was kind of maybe some sort of kind of brothel-type place. So it was just not, not good at all. And, and I actually felt like the, the symptoms coming back. And I was told malaria can come back, you know, and... Um, and I started to get real scared. And so I just, I just was like, and then I just started to break down and cry. But it wasn't crying about the malaria. It was just crying. I was just like saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know what I was saying sorry for. But then I was like, I'm sorry for a couple of hours, you know. So, and like I came back and um, I am from a Christian family, but just never, just always kind of rebelled against it. And I told what had happened in, in Mozambique. And, and I'm, you know, my, my family was like, yeah, that was, that was God speaking through. But I just kind of discounted it and moved on. Um, and then I'm, the next, the next thing I want to talk about is a couple of years later, this was last year, actually 2011, and I was visiting my sister in, a, in Mozambique again. She actually works in, in north of Mozambique, and she's a missionary there. Um, and I talked to her, and by now I'd actually gone to church a few times, and I was thinking, you know, like, there could be something in this, but I don't want to, like, I want, like, I like my life, you know, I like having kind of control over what I know, and, and, and like, even though it wasn't a great great life to be honest but um, <laughs> like and so um I talked to her and like she's my best friend so um you know I would do anything for her and I, I know likewise um and she said you know like we pray like me and Nick pray for you every day like Nick's uh, her husband uh, like you'll come to know God's better um and and that was like quite a big thing I didn't realize she did it every day you know um, and then she's like, and I'm like, but well, like, I want to know God. It sounds like a great life. Like, you guys have an amazing life. And, like, I'd rather have your life than mine. But, um, like, how do I suddenly, how do I have faith? Like, I don't have faith. I don't feel it. You know, I'm very sort of physical sort of science types. You know, I was like, how's that evidence, et cetera, et cetera. And she's like, she just, she just said, oh, like, if only you know how much God loves you. Like, if only you knew that, then all your questions would go. So, um, And that was a big thing. And I was like, that hit me deep. Uh, um, even though I didn't really know much about God, like, just that statement, I don't know, it just hit me. Um, and, um, and then I went away and I came back to Cayman. And, like, I just got on with my life and got on with my sort of normal sort of Friday night going out and all this sort of stuff. And... Um, and then this year, 2012, um, I actually split up with my girlfriend, which was quite a, a tough time. And um, again, I was just really at a loss. And I'd been going to community group for a while, actually, through um, Terry. Uh, so I'll just give a shout out. He's, thanks for that. And, um, 
and so I'm going to community group, but still not leading a, a very great life. And, um, and then all of a sudden, like, something just changed in me, just that event. And I started, I started to have a passion to come to church. And then I started just to pick up this old Bible. Uh, and um, I just want to thank God for, because uh, out of all the stuff I've done and all the stuff I've rejected, all the times I've rejected him, he's come back and still reclaimed me at the end of the day. And now I just have some passion to come to church, which is pretty good. And I just thank him for that now. Hey guys, uh, yeah, I'm Richard. We had a really cool time uh, last week, Monday. Um, most, all well, many of us are here, our parents, and uh, we've been, Tammy and I have prayed for Noah and for Annabelle many times. And last week, Um, last week, Noah gave his life to the Lord, you know? And, you know, if you think your kids are too young to accept Christ, which at five I thought, well, oh, maybe Noah's a bit young. And we've encouraged our kids to pray, and they're always like, no, Mom, you pray, it's fine. And it's amazing, since the day that Noah has accepted the Lord, he has started praying on his own, like, he would never say grace. And every time now when we say grace, he's like, I'll say grace. And it's just a testimony that God works in your children's lives, and you don't, they don't have to be 12 or 13 before they accept Christ. God works in little people, and he shows you great things through little people. All right, that's all I want to say. And praise be to the Lord for all these testimonies that are being shared today. Amazing. And I just want to share just something quick about this year, how I've come to know how much God loves us. Um, It's been quite a hard year for me, not with anything really big, but just in moving to Cayman and coming on a new journey, being newly married and all these things. And I just want to read you a scripture that just blows my mind. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up in the morning, you are still with me. That's Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. I've really come to know God in such a different way this year, in such an intimate, in a way that has shown me that God cares about the teeniest, tiniest, tiniest desires of our heart. And I've also been a Christian for many years since I was young. Since I was a little child, my parents got divorced when I was four. And from then, my mom was amazing. She raised us. We prayed all the time. We used to pray for my dad. My parents got reconciled four years later and got remarried. But I've always known God and known his goodness. And my mom has been really good and taught us that but this year I've just come to know that and that's I just want to give glory to God for that this year that even though in the tough times it almost makes me a little bit excited to know that there will be tough times coming still in my life because I've just come to know God so intimately and I just want more of him so thank you Lord and thank you for this amazing church
be super quick. Um, I just wanted to just thank God for the uh, answer prayers he's given us over this past year. So, as Simon has already said, um, Simon's my husband, by the way. Um, didn't, um, before I came out, I said the only way that I'm going to cope with Cayman being away from my family was that God would provide me with good Christian friends who would become my family. And he has certainly given me that in abundance. So I'm very thankful for this church and for everybody in it. Um, and then this year he's obviously given us Olivia um, and the pregnancy and birth went brilliantly and that was fantastic. Um, Olivia was born with a blocked tear duct in one of her eyes and so it just meant that um, she couldn't see out of it very clearly and it was full of gunk and everything and I kept cleaning it and I kept saying, God, please heal, please heal. But last Sunday I just kind of felt challenged that I wasn't praying over her with passion. I think that it was something that Ryan was saying about direct prayers. And I was like, God, you're going to heal this child's eye. I, I want her to be able to see, to enjoy life, rather than mummy keep having to clean her eye. Um, and I kept praying. And Sunday night, I just kept praying over her. And Monday, as I was walking around Kirk's supermarket, kept praying over her. People must have thought I was very strange. Um, but I just kept praying. And I wiped her eye Monday lunchtime. And that's the last time I've had to clean her eye because it's just cleared up completely. And you look at her now and you would never think that she'd had this blot tear duct and it's been fantastic. Um, and then also Kezi, um, our eldest, has been waking up um, last three weeks during the night kind of four or five times and running in with nightmares and wanting to get into bed with us. And I've had to just pray this week and God, you've got to just stop her having these nightmares. And he's answered that prayer as well. And for the last three nights, she's slept all the way through again. And it's meant that we've got more sleep and she's been so much happier as well. So I just thank God that he's answered his prayers. They are small things, perhaps insignificant to many people, but they just make life so much better. <laughs> I just had to, I've been wanting to come up. I'll be very, very brief. I've decided to help with the um, I'm emotional from everything. All today and me. Um, I've been helping with the AFSC programs and just getting back from an amazing shopping trip. Everything's fell, fell into place. What's happened? Um, I've had delays with, not immigration, customs, game and airways, cargo. Uh, Port Authority, you name it. But everything has fallen into place. Where I've had three amazing days of fundraising for. Okay, that's my briefness. That's it. It's up to you. But it's been amazing. God is great. If you have delays and obstacles in your life, it's, it's perfect. He was prioritizing everything. It's great. That's awesome.